Okay, that's a lot going on. Amen? That's a long, long announcement video. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Hey, have you got a little kid that you want to be dedicated because you're nervous that they're going to turn out like your husband? Please sign up. <laughs> Please sign up with Megan. <laughs> sign up with Megan and get that child dedicated quick. Please. <laughs> hey, Another quick announcement, I just want to just add on to what you just read. If you're a lady, you're new to the church, or you have just been coming for a short amount of time, and you have not tried out one of those women events, you really should try it out. It is incredible. And the speaker is, is just kind of a really accomplished person. It's, it's really neat to have someone like that speaking to the ladies. I know I have very little to do with this, but I know so much planning goes into this and a lot of thought. And Veronica's asking that you sign up right at the connecting point just so she knows how much food to prepare for that. Okay, last thing. So this is just the, this is coming from Pastor Nate. That day of prayer, that's not an afterthought. That's not just for fun. That's not for people who are into it. That's for everybody. Because the only way Christ church operates is if we pray. Only way. And the only way this local church is going to do anything is if we pray into it. Prayer is what really allows for God to accomplish what he's going to accomplish. And so, like, sign up for that, and we're going to make it really easy. We're going to even strong-arm you, because I've got a bunch of prayer team with clipboards in the lobby. I'll tell you, these are like the saint, saintly women of the church on that prayer team. You're not going to say no to them. I, I guarantee it. They're going to be right out in this lobby, and they're going to say, hey, what slot did you sign up to pray? And you could say, whoa, whoa, slot? What do you mean by that? Well, you just take some time, like an hour, and pray. You don't have to be there for a whole hour. But you're going to find that you're going to spend some time because we set up prayer centers all over the sanctuary with a lot of great quotes and inspiration. And so you'll, you'll spend time praying. You might even spend a whole hour. You'd surprise yourself, maybe. But at least sign up, and let's fill every one of these spots and let's just have a big buy-in from the church. So that's me, like, prodding, badgering, maybe even begging. I mean, I just want you to be there, okay? It's so important. Okay, we're, this, this morning we're finishing up our series on worship. And we've been talking about how worship is a lifestyle. Which means that worship is a part of everything we do. It, it's, it's a part of all of life. So what you eat is worship. Paul says Whatever you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. So whatever you shove in your face, that's worship. Where you go, what you say, even the, even the football team you, you're a fan of. No, that's idolatry. That's idolatry unless you're a fan of this team right here. <laughs> it's the fall. You know I'm going to do this. You know I'm going to do this. This is, if, you, if, you, if you're a fan of this team, then it's okay. All else, idolatry. All else, all other teams, idolatry. Let's include this team too. Hey, come on. Michigan people, when have we ever had both teams doing well? Not saying it's going to go the whole year, but isn't it incredible? I've already teased my sons. I, I tease, how many years have I been telling my sons that God's never going to, Jesus is never going to let the Lions win the Super Bowl? Never. It's going to be like, it's going to be the Super Bowl Sunday, and the Lions are going to be there, and Christ is going to come back. <laughs> it's like, they're going to kick off that football, 
They're going to kick off that football, and Jesus is going to be like, nope. <laughs> Blow that trumpet, angels. They're not having it. Lion fans were going into heaven with never winning a Super Bowl. I'm, I'm quite confident. <laughs> and then we're going to have to spend eternity with those Packer fans, you know? They're so arrogant, aren't they? It's like, it's just, just be quiet already. Come on, Packer fans. The reality is, is that all of life is worship. I, mean, I know I'm having a little fun right now. Sports is just a joke. Having a little fun. Don't want any Packer fans getting mad at me. We did beat you four times in a row, but I want you mad at me, okay? Because <laughs> you save it. You know, Wisconsin's across the lake. I don't know why you're here. Across the lake. Save it. But the reality is, is that all of life, all of life is worship. And a couple of verses that we've been using as kind of foundational verses to this series is Romans 12, 1 and 2. And these are good verses to memorize. They're good to memorize. And David says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we really should be committing verses to memory. And this is a good, these are a good set of verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice which is holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. That's what we've been talking about, a lifestyle of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And now what leaps out, out to me as I read those verses is, is really kind of the why of why are we offering our bodies as a living sacrifice it's because God is worthy of our worship. And he says that right at the beginning of the verse. He says, therefore, I urge you. The older translations are like, I beseech you. That's the thing. Come on, listen. I urge you in the view of God's mercies. And what, really what Paul's doing is he's summarizing the previous 11 chapters right here. Chapter 1 through 11, the whole content of those, those chapters are, Look at all that Christ has done for you. You've been justified. You've been reconciled to God. You were once enemies and now you've been brought near. You've been redeemed. You were worthless and you're dead and dead in your transgressions and sins. But now you've been made new, renewed by the power of God through Christ. God's wrath has been satisfied. So this God's judgmental wrath that could be poured out on us was poured on Christ on the cross. I mean, this is all the spiritual blessings in Christ, right? Here, we have eternal life. We have the Holy Spirit. And one of my favorite verses in all scriptures is Romans 5.8. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Because <laughs> I just look into my own life and apply that verse. But why would Christ die for someone like me? I, I, what do I offer to God? Nothing. Just a hallelujah, right? Just gratitude. In response to what Christ has done for me. And so what I see as I, as I look and think about those previous 11 chapters is God's just like heaping on blessing after blessing, just stacking it up. The point where it's like I'm overwhelmed. It's like, here's another good thing. Here's another good thing. Here's another good thing in Christ. And now... All I can do is say, okay, my whole life is yours, God. My whole life is now going to be a living sacrifice to him. Of course. Why wouldn't it? 
And we talk about how to have a sacrifice means that your time, your money, your resources, your energy, your focus, your relationships all have to be placed on that altar. And so if anyone tells you that the Christian life doesn't require you giving up something, they're not giving you the full gospel. The full gospel is, is that we receive forgiveness and mercy in Christ, and then we have to sacrifice our lives. To be a follower of Christ does cost you. It costs you your life. It's amazing because we don't have to do anything to earn it. It's just like a gift. It's being handed to you. But then we're saying, all right, now I'm yours. My whole life, my whole body, everything about me is now a sacrifice to you, which is holy and pleasing to God. That's what that verse is telling us. This is holy and pleasing. And so worship is experiencing and enjoying and pleasing God. And, and by doing that, we live in his presence. And so I'm kind of summarizing what we talked about the last three weeks. What we talked about yesterday, excuse me, yesterday, last week, is if God is not in it, then what's the point? Because the whole point of life is to have God a part of everything. So if God's not in our worship service, then why are we even here? Because we're definitely not here to entertain you. We're not here to awe you with our, with our production value, right? It's, it's, no, it's, it's like to meet Christ and experience his presence and to worship him and to praise him and to like, put the focus on Christ. That's the point. That's the whole point. And, but that's also true for your, your Bible studies, your prayer times. It's all of life. If God's not in it, then what's the point? And to kind of finish up this week and finish up this series is I want to talk about what it means when Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Like, what does he mean by that? And I, and I need to give you a little bit of context, because Paul does talk about the body being given over to Christ. In Romans chapter 6, he says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That's, that's our word. So that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Instead, offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. Offer, offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Okay, so what is he talking about when he says the parts of you? What is he referring to? Using your instruments for, for righteousness. Well, I want to make it really simple this morning. What Paul's talking about when he says you have a body but you have different parts to your body is he's talking about your eyes, what your eyes are looking at, what, what draws your attention, what causes you to focus in on something, your eyes. He's talking about your ears, what influences are we listening to? He's talking about your mouth, how do you talk to people, what comes out of your mouth? He's talking about your heart. What are the desires of your life? What do we care about? He's talking about your mind, what you're thinking about, your feet, the places you go, and your hands, and how we respond to people. Are we hurting people? Or are we helping people? Because you see, every day, all day, every part of you is at play. How you think, where you go, what you say, what you're looking at, what you're listening to, all of you must be a living sacrifice to God. That is your spiritual act of worship, right? Now, we've also talked 
about hurrying makes us unreflective and that we have to simplify life. We talked about the simple steps of worship, how it, we overcomplicate things. And I, I want to tell you, just in full honesty, I have had a hard time trying to simplify my life. How about you? My life is crazy busy. If you look at the, the little squares on our calendar, our home calendar, where our kids are going every day, I, I, feel like, I feel like it's a military operation every night as we plan out who's taking what kid where and how we're going to swap at what point and how we're going to fit dinner in the middle. Can you relate? I mean, unless you're retired, right? I mean, if you're retired, those squares are empty, right? You, you put stuff in there, you old people, because you're like, I got to have something. <laughs> you're like writing things in. Uh, go for the walk on the beach, you know. <laughs> go get a haircut. Listen, that's nothing for what's going on in the Parsekian home right now. Tell you, it is constant, constant activity. And I'm thinking, am I actually carving out time to to spend with the Lord? Like, or am I just so maxed out that I'm running from here to there, running on autopilot? And if you run on autopilot, what happens is your parts just start to act naturally. You start living off the flesh and not by the Spirit. And that's where we get in trouble when we're supposed to be offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. Does that make sense? See, what happens is, is that we start to conform to a worldly lifestyle. We follow the patterns of the world, which Paul's saying you cannot. Do not follow the patterns of this world, but be transformed. John says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. So you have to be careful. Because if you have the love of the world in your heart, you don't have the love of God. The love of the Father is not in you. Do we love the world? There are parts, aspects of our life, are they patterned after the world? And now understand, the word world here, Paul and, and John's using, is not planet Earth world. It's, it's actually a Greek word for age, or this present age, or the attitude or thoughts of the age. So it's like, it's the culture, or our current culture, or American culture. So, to kind of help us understand this, let me run a couple examples. Is our country, or is our American culture trending towards more loving, being more loving and accepting and caring to people? Are we trending that way? Or are we trending more being divisive and angry and wanting to fight? The most, in, the most intolerant people I meet are the people who preach to me to be more tolerant. It, 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 it's a joke. I, I think, wow, we can't even have a conversation because we have a disagreement. That's very intolerant of you. It doesn't make any sense to me, but that's kind of what we're landing in. Amen? And it, is our current culture trending towards fidelity and sexual purity or to sexual morality? Listen, this is the byproduct of gender confusion and confusion over sexual orientation. The byproduct of this 
is that all social and sexual norms are being thrown out the window. So it's an anything-goes society. So sexually, what's happening? It's immorality. We can't even figure out what a man and a woman is. We can't even figure out what a healthy marriage should look like, according to God's biblical blueprint. Well, sex outside of marriage, that's rampant. You see how far we've moved as a society? And that's the patterns of this world. That's what Paul's talking about when he says, don't fit into those patterns. But I also think this applies to just kind of all of life, all our parts. Like John says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So we've got to be aware of what our eyes are looking at because it can be patterned after the world. We could be lusting after what other people have. That's the lust of the eyes. Or we could just be lusting after the opposite sex. And I remember when I was a teenager and came to Christ, there were a book, series of books were coming out at that time called Every Man's Battle, Every Young Man's Battle. Ever read those books? And one of the thoughts in that book was, if, as a young man, if you're walking in, in a setting where there are maybe an attractive, attractive woman, you're not supposed to fixate on that. You're supposed to bounce your eyes. You ever read these books? I remember reading that going, oh, that's good. That's good. Because you can't help, like, your eyes are just going to wander. But the point is, what are you going to actually focus your eyes on? Well, the pattern of this world is to focus on things that are, you know, this dirties. It's like it, your mentality is off. But instead, why, like bouncing off those things. It was a simple thought. But there was something in it. But the, the pattern of this world is to not care. How many times have you heard, you can look but not touch? That, that's not biblical, guys. You understand? That's worldly. It's a world mentality. But also it comes to our ears. We hear all kinds of messages. And Jesus warns, the hearts become callous. They hardly hear with their ears. It's like they've stuffed up their ears and they cannot hear the right and true messages and I want to warn us, yeah, what, that, that person you listen to on YouTube or that podcast, they might sound right, but you have to run everything through the grid of Scripture, amen? I mean, this is the authority, and so whatever might sound good might not actually be good. And so we have to really be careful about the pattern of this world and what's affecting the messages we're hearing. But what about your mouth? Wow, our mouths get us in trouble constantly. And I see it, the pattern of this world is to complain, is to be bitter, is to be negative. I'm talking the world, right? And to find problems with things. You know, it's so interesting when I'm around my Christian group, my small group, the people in church, people are so uplifting. And they're not very negative, but the minute I get into the world, you know what I find in the world? Like when I'm around people who are not really believers, who don't really follow Christ, they are negative. Everything's a problem. Nothing's going right. I'd hate to be a boss, because that's all they talk about, is that that boss doesn't know what he or she's doing. It's always a problem with everything. That's the world, right? That's, that's how the world talks. Profanity, on and on, right? Okay, hearts. 
Jesus says, from within, out of a person's heart, the evil thoughts come. Sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. He's just saying, your heart, whatever you dwell on, your passions, your desires, I mean, that's what comes out of a person. And you can see these worldly habits, unforgiving hearts, greed, anger, guilt, feet. The feet are swift to shed blood, Ruin and misery mark their ways, the way of peace they do not know. Feet taking us into places that only cause more conflict instead of helping. And then, of course, our minds. You must now no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking, their mind. They're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them. Their, their thinking is darkened. So, okay, these are the parts of the body given over to the world. And this is where God finds us. And I think we could see these patterns in our lives. We could see the patterns not only in our life, but in the lives of the people around us. And I was thinking, okay, let me give you an example. I was trying to think, okay, what would be an example of your whole body being patterned after the world? So I think this can be an example for, for adults, but I think also teens, okay, anybody. So you're in a setting, and there's a person you don't like. Do you have people you don't like, or do you like everybody? People you don't like? Of course. Some of you are like, I, I don't like a lot of people, okay? This really applies to me. Keep going. There's a, you see a person you don't like, and that person is talking to somebody else. So maybe you're at work, maybe you're a teen, you're in the hallway or cafeteria or somewhere, and you see this, and you see them talking to each other, and then you see them looking at you. Now, what do you think? They're talking about you. So then you let your little feet take you over a little closer to hear what they have to say. And then you hear the message that they're saying, and you're like, oh, that's not nice. What a jerk. And then you start to, like, dwell on it, and you let it just kind of sit there and fester in your heart, and you're mad. You become more angry. You're unforgiving. You become bitter. That's what's happening in the heart. And your mind starts thinking, well, how can that person say that? Really? That's how that person's going to talk about me? I mean... You know how they act, the things they do? You know, you just, you're, you start just letting this kind of work in your mind. And then what happens the next time you get around them? Your feet take you over to where they're at so that your mouth can tell them exactly what's been running through your mind and your heart. That's what Jesus says. That's what comes right out of there. And then your hands, they're not wanting to give them a hug, Right? They're very combative hands. They're just, you want to take them down. See how your whole body is pattering after the world? And I've noticed that all these, a lot of these things have to be played at one time because let's say you, you struggle with substances and drinking or, or, or drugs or, or nicotine or something like that, and your heart or mind has been thinking about it, but what do your feet have to do to get you there, right? They actually have to take you to that place. So you can pay the money to buy it. You see, it's your whole body that can be patterned after this world. So I just want to ask the question. Is there a part of you that's conforming to the world? You as a believer, is there a part of you that's been conforming to this world? Running the examples that I'm giving you. Now let's say you're not a believer. Let's say you're a seeker. And let's say you're sitting here saying, you know what? I see myself completely a part of what the world is offering well, there's good news for you. Amen? The, the good news is that you can live transformed. The word 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. The word transformed means transfiguration. It's the same word that's used when Jesus is up on Mount Olives and, and he becomes and shows really his glorified self. It's still Jesus. It's the glorified Jesus. And, that, and that's the power of the gospel. It's you, but it's not you. It's a different you. It's a remade, restored spiritually empowered you. That's what the gospel is. This is not behavior modification. This is not just making subtle changes to become a better version of you. That's not really the gospel. That's called the therapeutic gospel. It doesn't work. Okay? Because the flesh is, is broken and desperately wicked. You need to be completely remade in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit starts to work through you. Listen, Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm them and do not let yourselves be burned again by the yoke of slavery, which is law and sin. So just starting to do the to-do lists of the law is not going to fix you. It's an actually completely restored, remade you. That's what it means to be transformed. Romans 6.22 says, But now that you've been set free from sin, you're going to what? Become slaves, but slaves to God. Do you see the difference here? The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. I've been thinking about this. The reason why you'll live differently is because you love to do what God wants you to do because loving God is your greatest love. It's like deep down inside of you, you just are so in love with God that that's what's coming out. And if that love is not deep inside, into your heart, what comes out, right, out of your hands, your, your eyes, your mouth, where your feet will take you, it won't be aligned with God. That's what it means to be transformed. And I'll tell you, I've, as a pastor, I've sat across the table of so many people, and they tell me with their lips they want to be different. And maybe they, they attempt to make some subtle changes, but until the love of God is deep inside of them, it's not happening. It's like that's where that transformation comes from. You have been transformed. And so then it comes out in everything you do. That's the transformed life. Like, I love this verse. This is a great verse to memorize, especially if you're a young man. I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. You're basically telling your eyes what to do. Isn't that cool? Like, hey, eyes, knock it off. Like, you're blaming someone else, that's nice, right? That works for you. It's always good to blame something else. No, it's my eyes. It's not my fault, it's my eyes. Well, then make a covenant with your eyes to not look at a woman lustfully. Proverbs 1.5 says, let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. It's just like, let's just... Have those good messages pouring into our ears, into our hearts, like hearing good messages. Mouth. James says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come both praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And the idea is, is that what is, like, we cannot let our mouths be both building people up and tearing people down. Praising God and then letting profanity come out of our mouths. You can't have both happening. That doesn't work. That's James's point. 
So, this is a verse that my family is trying to really put into our home. It's, it's Ephesians 4.29. Do you know this verse? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is good that it will benefit those who listen. So you just ask the question, hey, are you benefiting anybody with what you're saying right now? No. I just want to tell my brother and sister, okay? They always get away with stuff, and i got to make it clear to you what kind of kid this kid is, okay? That's why I'm telling you this. Someone has got to set the record straight here in this home. No. Are you, are you benefiting anybody by what you're saying right now? No, I'm just making fun of them. See that unwholesome talk? What's coming out of our mouths? Then Romans 10, 15, what happens with your feet? Well, now your feet are bringing you to places that give the gospel instead of bringing us into places that are harming us. Acts 19, verse 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left him. And the reason I'm talking about this verse is not only the miracles that God's doing through Paul, but also remember who this guy was. Paul, like hated Christians, would seek out Christians to kill them. So he had bloody hands. He had blood all over his hands. And now Paul, being transformed by the gospel, what he touches heals people. And that's the change that can happen in us when our parts are a living sacrifice and we've given it over to Him. In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, because we have that love placed in our hearts, like I talk about in our minds, we have a renewed mind. Now, my viewpoint on life is the supremacy of God and His infinite worth. The way I'm looking at things are completely different. I'm now looking at God and running everything through that grid. And just remember, your mind is the epicenter of your life. It is like the, eternal, like the internal grid that all impulses, everything that's happening externally comes through your mind. Your mind tells your mouth what to say. Your mind tells your eyes what to look at. Your mind tells your ears what to hear or where to go or what to do with your hands. We need to then have the mind of Christ. Okay. It's a different way of looking at things. And you know how this works? We continually remind ourselves of God's truth. That's how it works. So, we haven't cracked our Bibles yet, but I want us to. Right now, open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We need to continually remind ourselves of His truth. And the reason I want to turn here is because over the past three weeks, we've been talking about Moses. And how Moses was a true worshiper. Well, in Deuteronomy 6, Moses is giving us insight on what it means to be that true worshiper. And what does it look like to have a life completely devoted over to God? So if you have a Bible, open it up. If you don't have a Bible, we give one, we provide one for you. It's in the chair in front of you. And I've given you the page number so you can go there quickly. Verse 4, one of the most holiest verses in the whole Old Testament. The Shema. This is what you quote. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. But now what I want to focus on is what we do with that Shema and the commands of God. Look at verse 6. These commandments I give you today 
are to be what? You're reading the Bible with me? On your hearts. Look at all the different parts that, are, that, that we, we should be applying the Word of God to. Impress them on your children. Talk with your mouth. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, so wherever your feet take you, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and put it, bind them on your forehead, which means that they're always in front of your eyes. That's the point. Write them on their door frames in the houses and on your gates. What, what, what Moses is saying here through Deuteronomy is that you need to have the Word of God always in front of you, continually, reminding you of, it, of His truth. And so, hey, teens, kids, you know what would be something that would be really cool, helpful? It's just to take Bible verses and put it on the inside of your locker. That's the idea of what this passage is saying. You just open up the locker, boom, there's truth. Or if maybe you don't have that, maybe you're at home, or maybe you don't go to your locker, put it in your book bag, or put it on your computer, or whatever you're on most of the time, just have Scripture there. Or how about adults, let's have Scripture on in our cars, on our dash, or maybe, maybe on the, the window, or not on the window, but like a window walking out the door, maybe on your mirror, bathroom mirror. Just so when you wake up in the morning and you look at that old person looking back at you, you stop thinking about how wrinkly and old you are, and you start thinking, wow, look at Scripture. And you're just continually reminding yourself of the truth, the truth of God's Word. That's the point of this passage. And that's what will renew your mind. If we remind ourselves of God's truth continually. And then the verse finishes up, and so let's just finish up this morning. The verse finishes up, says, then we will know God's will for our lives. We'll know His will. His good, perfect, pleasing will. Now, the sovereign will of God is something that God has determined beforehand will happen. And we don't always know God's will for our lives when it comes to His purposes and plans. We can pray, and God will move and work, but sometimes He answers those prayers with a yes, a no, and sometimes wait. So we don't always know God's sovereign will until after the fact. Amen? But we can know His revealed will, and that's what Moses is saying in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You can know the commandments of Scripture. You can know what is written in the Word, and you have to think about it and apply it. But the one I want to talk about to finish up is the applied will of God. By a renewed mind and the Holy Spirit's leading, God's commands and principles are applied to your life. And so this week, you can apply what God's truth is saying. You can apply it. You can think about it, and you can reflect on it this whole week. And so now, your eyes can look at the right things. Your, your ears can be listening to the right messages. Your hands can be helping people, comforting people, caring for people. Your feet can take you to good places. Your heart can dwell on the right passions and emotions and desires, and your mind can think the right thoughts. And your whole self is a sacrifice to God, which is true and proper worship. Worship is a lifestyle, and it requires everything, all of you. Give everything you've got to Him. That's your true and proper worship, and He is worthy of it. Let's pray. Father, we know that as we look at our week and as we look at life and as we look at the things that we're experiencing in life, I just pray that our whole selves can be given over to you. That we'll look at every aspect of life and all the parts of our life 
and all our parts and say, I'm giving it all to you. And if our eyes are looking at the wrong things or if we're hearing the wrong things or if our, our heart is dwelling on the wrong stuff or we're letting the wrong thoughts run through our minds, Father, we will just lay that on the altar and say we want to transform life. And Father, we know that by a transformed life, that's pleasing to you and we can live this righteous life, this renewed mind that you've called us to. So now, Father, I pray that as we finish up, we can just think about abiding in you and how you you have formed us and made us, and we have to walk through life with you. I pray that we will just reflect on that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.